0: Welcome back to To the the dead to the 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 world world podcast.
1: Podcast. I'm Tasha. I'm Lexi. And I'm Mama Dawn. And hello, hello. Welcome, welcome. You know, it feels like it's been a while.
0: It has. Ah, Guess (laughs) guess who's back in Utah? Me.
1: Tasha. So fun when we're all in the same place. I agree. Makes my heart happy.
0: All right, so yes, this is Tasha. I am back in the states of the Utahs. Why are you laughing? states of the Utahs, because that was really loud. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Well, Mom complained I was too quiet last time. Okay. So, um, anyways, Kyle flew out for Labor Day, and we do this trap shoot at his parents every year. It's like a big community thing that they put on.
1: That was fun. So this week, we are going to talk about sleep studies. You guys have heard us mention it many, many times in our past episodes. We always talk about it a little bit, but we thought it would be good to do a deep dive and tell you guys a little bit more about sleep studies. A deep dive. A deep dive. (laughs) You know who that reminds me of? Um, Guy Fury.
0: Uh Uh-huh. When he's like, diners, drive-ins, and dives. (laughs) Like
1: a deep dive. That's just what I think about. A deep dive in a dive with some (laughs) food. I just thought it was Mm. funny. All right. Go ahead. So, if your doctor suggests that you undergo a sleep study or a a polysonography, then you may be wondering what's involved in the test and what to expect. Uh, Sleep studies help doctors diagnose sleep disorders, such as what we've talked about, sleep apnea, periodic limb movement disorder, narcolepsy, restless leg syndrome, insomnia, and nighttime behaviors like sleepwalking and REM uh, sleep behavioral disorder. (laughs) (laughs) can <laughs> okay. Keep going. That was a little bit of a struggle. I know. Like sleep. Yeah. Often these disorders cannot be identified with a normal office visit. Your doctor needs to gather more conclusive evidence while you are asleep. So what is a sleep study? A sleep study is a non-invasive overnight exam that allows doctors to monitor you while you sleep and see what's happening in your brain and your body. For this test, you will go to a sleep lab that is set up for an overnight stay. Usually, this is at a hospital or a sleep center. While you sleep, an EEG monitors your sleep stages and the cycles of REM and non-REM or NREM sleep you go through during the night to identify possible disruptions in the patterns of your sleep. A sleep study will also measure things such as eye movement, oxygen levels in your blood through a sensor, there are no needles involved, um, heart rate and breathing rates, snoring, and body movements. The data from your sleep study will usually be taken by a technologist and later evaluated by your doctor. This may take up to two weeks when you're scheduled to follow up to discuss the results.
0: Gotcha. Okay.
1: Now, types of sleep studies. um, Sleep studies collect the data about what's happening in a person's body during sleep, and different types of sleep studies are available depending on your symptoms and the sleep disorder that may be present. So the first one that we mentioned multiple times, the polysonography, is a, where a sleep technician monitors a patient's stay overnight at a specialized clinic. a variety of functions are measured throughout the night, including eye movement, brain and muscle activity, respiratory efforts and airflow, blood oxygen levels, body positioning and movements, snoring, and heart rate and then the other another one that they do sometimes is called a multiple A multiple sleep latency test. (laughs) Sorry, that was a mouthful. Multiple sleep latency testing measures how quickly someone falls asleep and how quickly they enter REM sleep during a daytime nap. This test is primarily used to diagnose excessive daytime sleepiness that may be due to narcolepsy or other unknown causes. So remember when I was talking about when I had my sleep study, I stayed during the night and then stayed half the day till like 4 o'clock in the afternoon. It's because I was having both. But I didn't know what it was called. CPAP titration is another type of sleep study with continuous positive airway pressure or CPAP machine that we talked about a couple episodes ago is a common treatment for sleep apnea. And in the CPAP titration, a technician determines the amount of air pressure that a patient needs from their CPAP so that their machine can properly be programmed at home use, for their home use. So the CPAP titration usually requires a second sleep study. When sleep apnea is strongly suspected, they do what's called a split night sleep study. And so when they do the split night, they do the polysonography to diagnose the sleep apnea in the first half of the night, and then the CPAP titration is performed during the second half of the night. So it seems like that would be much nicer, though, if they're already pretty sure you have sleep apnea so they can, like, schedule all in the same night instead of having to stay one whole night just to decide you have sleep apnea and then have to go back and do another whole night for the CPAP titration. True.
0: But I don't know if there's, like, reasons why they would do both regardless. Like, do you have to for sure have sleep apnea to do the next one, right? Because you're getting a CPAP machine fitted. So I'm just saying, like, I mean… What's hap- what are you what, saying?
1: What I'm saying is what happens, <laughs> happens. You might go have to go twice. It's true. It's true. All right. And then the last one, which uh, Tasha has talked about in the past, the at-home sleep apnea testing. So the home sleep apnea test collects data about the patient's breathing and heart rate and other variables overnight. However, compared with a polysonography, home testing provides less information and the process is not overseen by a technologist. It's called an at-home oximetry test. That you did? Yes. Okay. So what can a sleep study diagnose? A sleep study is used to diagnose many sleep disorders, including insomnia, sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, narcolepsy, periodic limb movement disorder, sleepwalking, sleep talking, and REM sleep behavior disorder. And it was really funny when I was going through this article after, I'm like, check, we talked about that, check, we talked about that. (laughs) I was like double checking that we've done all these disorders and we have. Um, So who needs a sleep study? Um, Sleep studies are a vital diagnostic tool for many sleep disorders, but they aren't necessary in all cases a doctor can prescribe a sleep study depending on the person's symptoms and overall health. So, as always, we're not experts. Talk to your doctor. If you are experiencing sleep issues or daytime symptoms such as fatigue, drowsiness, depression, or difficulty concentrating, uh, patients with obesity uh, can have sleep issues that should be screened for sleep apnea, and your doctor can help you determine whether a sleep study is right for you. If you have been diagnosed with a sleep disorder and your symptoms are not improving with treatment, a follow-up sleep study can help your doctor determine the next steps for your care. And then how much does a sleep study cost? Oof. It doesn't actually tell you in the article, which I thought it was funny. Oh. But <laughs> was, sometimes I'm like, why do they put these things in there if they're not actually going to answer the question? But it does talk a little bit. It just says it's difficult to estimate depending on the type of test being uh being done and what the facility charges. But it did say small clinics typically charge less compared to big hospital systems. It's important to speak directly to the clinic administering your sleep study for the most accurate information on price.
2: Gotcha. I wanna know. I want should I, I, should I know. Google the average price
0: of yeah. a sleep study? Yeah, Google it. Yeah do that. I know that I got my order for my oximetry test through my primary care doctor, but I had to go pick it up at the hospital. Mm-hmm. They didn't have them like
2: at the doctor's office. So, so it says an at-home sleep apnea test is around one hundred and ninety dollars. And let's see, oh, that's not I the yeah. the, but like an in, in the clinic. facility or whatever mm-hmm. is anywhere from a thousand to seven
1: thousand dollars. That makes sense, depending on the state you live in. Okay. So, and then, um, does insurance cover a sleep study? It says the cost you are responsible for depends on your insurance coverage, of course. Contact your insurance provider to learn about sleep study coverage that's provided by your plan.
2: This says, the main reason an insurance company would reject paying for a sleep study is if they deem it medically unnecessary. So, pretty much anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like anything. <laughs> like anything, would, yeah. Like if you wanted a nose job but it's not medically necessary, your insurance isn't going to pay for it.
1: Yeah. So it says if your doctor suggests a sleep study for you but your insurance provider denies the coverage for the test, it could help to ask about an appealing uh, – to appeal the denial of coverage. This typically involves providing documentation as to why the test is medically necessary. Your doctor can help you put together the paperwork and file the appeal. So – Exactly what they said. I've had that happen before, too. Like Daddy Dale had like this mole thing by his eye. And when we went to the doctor, I'm like, hey, you know, can you take that off? It looks I was worried about it being like cancerous, like skin cancer. And the the doctor was just like, well, you know, no, it doesn't look like skin cancer. It's not anything that would hurt him or anything like that. And I was just like, well, can you please just take it off? (laughs) And they're just like, your insurance won't cover it. But then when they started to do it, and he was talking about how he catches it and he keeps like pulling on it. And they're like, oh, well, then the insurance will cover it because it was actually causing you problems. Makes sense. Right. All right. So that was my intro information on this subject of the sleep studies. And then I found this article. It was on medium.com. And it's called How I Enjoyed My Uncomfortable Sleep Study. So thought that was interesting. It said I recently had a sleep study and everyone I talked to about it was unhappy or had an unhappy story to tell. It was usually along the lines of they put a bunch of wires on my head and you don't get any sleep and the stories were dramatic and sometimes traumatic. But my experience was different. It was spa-like and therapeutic. Yes, it was uncomfortable in some ways. I had electrode stickers all over my head and face, some on my chest and some on my legs. Wires came out of these stickers and plugged into what looked like an electronics project. While sleeping, I was tethered to the wall and could move around only so much in my bed. If I woke up to go to the bathroom, I had to call out to someone to come in and unplug a couple of cables so I could go to the bathroom. Normally, all this would aggravate the bleep out of me. I'm like the girl in The Princess and the Pea. She is so sensitive, she could feel a tiny pee under several mattresses. Me, I can feel the sock lint between my toes, which can bother me enough to take off the sock and get the lint out. And I have other similar irritants. That's like me. I w- thought about you.
0: <laughs> this is Tasha, and I'm super sensitive.
1: Yeah, she cuts her tags out of like every piece of clothing she ever owns, like two seconds after she gets it. She does.
0: And my socks, you know how they sew your socks together, a little
1: sewing above where your toes mm-hmm. would go? I know. It's so nice now that they have seamless socks, but they didn't until, but I don't know how long ago. It's been a while now, but.
0: <laughs> Thank you for seamless, so- seamless <laughs> socks. Seamless I, socks.
1: Seamless It's <laughs> kind of like, you know, the saying like, oh, that's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Uh, since, is it sliced bread? I think so. Yeah, I think it's you're sliced right. Sliced bread. Like, I remember when I was in... You know, middle school and high school, always having to take off my shoes and turn my sock just so, so the little seam piece was like right, yeah, was like right in between like my big toe and my next toe, so I couldn't feel it. The struggles,
2: the struggle is real. I just remember when we were little, I'd get so mad waiting for Tosh to get ready for us to go somewhere because she would take her shoes off like twenty times, freaking out about her sock seam. Oh, me I, being yes. like,
0: we can't go yet. My And I'd be not like, right. come
2: on, let's go. Like, we're going to go play with
1: people or something. And you would just literally be having a mental breakdown about yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, so true. <sighs> and then Lexi, on the h- other hand, she didn't have those like sensitivities to materials and things, but she did have to look a certain way. <laughs> <laughs> and so she'd be like, she'd put on something. She just didn't think it was pretty. She'd be like, it just doesn't look right. It just doesn't feel right. She was born to be a clothing buyer. It was her destiny. Living living the dream. Okay. So uh, let's see. Where was I? Uh, So, but the stickers, the glue, the wires, and the tether didn't phase me much this time. Why? It all has to do with the pandemic. So it was her sleep study pandemic style. So getting my room. I had my sleep study during the pandemic. You couldn't just walk in when you arrived to the sleep center in the evening. There are protocols to follow. So you park and stay in your car, then call the number that they give you to let you into the building. Now tip, make sure that you call the number to be let into the building and not the number for the medical office, which is closed at this time. Both numbers may be on the same piece of paper, so look carefully. Or you may be sitting alone in a mostly empty parking lot for a while i could say i'm speaking from experience but i don't want to <laughs>
0: that's funny she called the wrong number. yeah
1: when you finally call the correct number someone comes out of the building and takes your temperature goes through the necessary list of pandemic related questions that everybody is tired of asking or answering by now once cleared you get into your overnight or you get your overnight bag out of the car and go into the building before we enter the room, the sleep technician explains how they're able to operate the sleep center during the pandemic. They had installed an air scrubber in each bedroom. The tech wanted to make sure that I understood that one scrubber could clean the air for the entire building we were in, so I would make so we would make some noise in the room. When we entered the room, I thought we walked inside a jet engine. It wasn't just the scrubber's motor that was loud, it was also the air sucking into the scrubber. I could hardly understand what the technician was saying. Trying to have a normal conversation in a loud bar was like attending a string quartet concert compared to this. It was so loud in the room, I couldn't even hear my own tinnitus. I normally hear ringing in my ears when I go to bed. It was nice not to hear it that night, but I'd rather hear my tinnitus than the jet engines. I also realized there must be something actually making the ringing in my ears sound because it could be drowned out by another sound. Who knew? (laughs) But I digress. The point is, it was that loud. They gave me earplugs to reduce the noise while sleeping. I can't even stand to wear earbuds in my ears, which goes back to the whole princess of the pea thing. But I gave the earplugs a try because it was hard to fall asleep from all that noise. Have you tried sleeping with earplugs in your ears? When you lay on your side, it squishes the plug in deeper and it hurts. The earplugs were the one thing that bothered me more than the noise that they only partially blocked out, but they were not required for the test, so out they went. I ended up building a pillow fort between me and the jet engine, which helped take some of the sound and the edge off and let me fall asleep. So my spa experience. With all that noise, discomfort, noise, and more noise, how could I have possibly enjoyed my pandemic-style sleep study? Well, there was two reasons. My prep. First, the air scrubber was so loud, it distracted me from all the other physical discomforts I experienced and made them seem trivial. No pee under my mattress, no lint in my socks. This allowed me to experience non-physical comfort and have a spa experience. Before going to bed, we had to attach all the wires onto me. I sat on a chair next to the TV so I could read the closed captioning. The sleep tech stood behind me and worked on getting those electrode stickers properly positioned and glued on to me. It took a while to identify the several locations, uh, excuse me, to identify the several correct locations on my head and get my long hair out of the way so my electrode stickers would stick and they would have good contact with my scalp. We tried to chat about what they were cooking on TV above the din. That's what happened, but this is what it felt like. I was in a private beauty salon, being pampered. The stylist was gently working on my hair. Something interesting was on the TV, and we had a fun conversation. There was no one else to attend to in the room, so I was the focus of the attention. Or, I was in a very loud monastery. A monk was meticulously preparing me for a ceremonial slumber. Or, nobody needed anything from me. Only one thing was going on at a time, and there was no rushing around. Maybe the noise was getting to me. Either way, it was a meditation of sorts. My sleep. The second reason. For the first night in many years, once I fell asleep, I slept straight through the night. No waking up in the middle of the night for no apparent reason. No cats running over me. Which would be a reason. No one getting up much earlier than me to go to work. I didn't even wake up for the bathroom. I just closed my eyes, changed positions a few times, and the next thing I knew... The monk, I mean the sleeping tech, was gently calling my name and waking me up. It was like surgery. You count backwards, and suddenly someone is waking you up, except nobody pumped me full of drugs or cut me open. The scrubber, loud as it was, acted as a white noise machine, a very loud one on Godzilla's steroids, but a white noise machine nonetheless. Once I got the volume turned down a tad with my pillow for on the bed, the white noise helped me fall asleep and stay asleep. As disrupting as it was, the air scrubber is what helped me enjoy my sleep study in spite of the peas, all courtesy of the pandemic. So if your doctor ever says to you that you need a sleep study, don't fret about how you won't get any sleep. Ignore your friend's sob stories. Instead, jump up for joy and look forward to it. You're about to have a therapeutic spa-like experience. And ask for a room with a jet engine, and you might just get the best night's sleep of your life. Just maybe. Just maybe. But I find that interesting because I know for our grandbaby, they have like a white noise machine that does like different thunderstorms and beach waves. Everyone's baby has that. Yeah, I guess it's a big thing now. I didn't have anything like that for you guys. But back in our day, if you needed white noise, you either turned on a vacuum or a blow dryer. Makes sense. I s- I've seen some people
2: turn on the bathtub.
1: Oh, yeah, just the, wa- the water running. Water
2: running, which I'm sure is terrible for your bills, but... <laughs> yeah,
1: the only, the only problem with that, though, is then the kid gets used to sleeping with that, and then they always have to have that.
0: Yeah, nowadays it's a huge thing. Like Basically any baby I know has one.
1: Interesting. Even when I babysit across the street, they, mm-hmm. they have them too. Interesting. So, all right, that was my stories. I don't think we decided who was going to go next. I can go. Lexi can go. Well, I look forward to Lexi talking so I can breathe now. I hope that you guys didn't notice too much, but I'm super stuffed up today. So I keep having to take breaks so I could... In between sentences. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I had to do one and I wasn't even talking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I
2: found an article from... Whoa, sorry, I have the hiccups. Of course, bad timing as I start talking. Okay, I found a article from psypost.org, or psychologypost.org, I'm assuming is what it's
1: referring to. Sounds right.
2: Sounds right. It's called The Six Strangest Sleep Studies Ever Performed.
1: Ooh, very interesting. Well, you don't know yet. I'm sure they're very interesting. There you go. She read the article. <laughs> I didn't read the whole article. I scanned the article to make sure I didn't say anything. Yeah. That's What I mean, yeah. So, when I was doing my <laughs> oh my god, so I knew in my research I didn't pull the same information as what you were gonna share. Gotcha. Okay, so the first one they titled
2: Sleeping is for the Dogs. So, it says two of the earliest sleep studies would probably never get funded today, and for good reason. In 1984, Russian physician Maria Menesina that's the only time I'm gonna say it, I did my best. <laughs> So she kept four puppies awake through forced walking and handling, which is very sad. We do not stand for any sort of animal abuse. Um, And it says just, you know, to see what would happen. What happened was they died. The first one died after 96 hours and the last one after 143 hours. That's so sad. Yeah. Who does that? Very messed up. So the physician then repeated the experiment with six more puppies and they also all died. Oh, to die. Let's just do it with six more. No, the first time it was four. Oh. So that's ten puppies total that this person killed. Who is this?
1: Can I slap them? Are they still alive? <laughs> I, this was in 1894. Oh, I thought you said 1984. <laughs> no. So I was like, I don't think she's still alive. What Actually, was her she, name again? Uh, Messina or something me, like that? I'm only going to say this Stosh, what's Stosh, <laughs> <her name? laughs> what's her name?
2: What's your name again? Maria Manessina. M-A-N-A-S-E-I-N-A for the last name. Okay. She looked like she was typing it
1: up. I Okay. Okay. I'm slapping her in. We are. We're mad at her.
2: And then it just ends off that little section by saying her work led to the conclusion that sleep is more important than food. And it took her $10. It took her 10 puppies to figure that one out. Grr. are you wanting to say something, Tosh?
0: No, I'm just looking and seeing if
1: uh, if I could, like, pull her up online. So I could visualize slapping her and really have her face. <laughs> yeah.
0: But i do <laughs> not finding her. So, anyways.
2: Okay. Continue. Sorry. Okay. So, one year later, scientists at the University of Iowa conducted the first controlled study of sleep deprivation. They kept three young men awake for 90 hours, conducting periodic tests of performance and cognition. The results are pretty run-of-the-mill. They fared pretty well at the first night and then started getting wonky after the second, but notable nonetheless, if only because no puppies were harmed. Agreed. Yes, agreed. <laughs> One of the patients reported intense hallucinations after the second night, which the study's author later recounted. So this is what he said he saw. The subject complained that the floor was covered with greasy-looking molecular layers of rapidly moving or oscillating particles. I don't well, know. this
1: must have been a scientist? The, the boy. scientist
2: wrote what the kid explained seeing. So this part is written by the scientist. Okay.
1: <laughs> so the I'm boy's saying like, either the boy is a scientist and used those words, or, or the scientist put it, into may, put it in his words. I'm assuming the scientist, scientist. put it in his words okay. for the article. So I was like, that is not what you would say.
2: <laughs> no,
0: exactly. Like the kid probably is like, well, I saw these strange things on the floor and they're moving around and they were kind they were of shaped light like and this. yeah. And then the scientist is like, oh,
2: okay. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> continuing with what he hallucinated. Often, this layer was a foot above the floor and parallel with it, cu- and caused the subject trouble in walking as he would try to step on it. Later, the air was full of these dancing particles, which developed into swarms of little bodies like gnats, but colored red, purple, or black. The subject would climb upon a chair to brush them. From about the gas jet or stealthily try to touch an imaginary fly on the table with his finger. Which I'm assuming this doesn't make sense because he was hallucinating. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Then he finished by saying these phenomena did not move with movements of the eye and appeared to be true hallucinations and they entirely disappeared after he slept. Uh, Interesting. So when the experiment was over, the subject slept so deeply that even electric shocks could not wake them up wow oh so they tried electric shocks. <laughs> they finally peacefully fell asleep and the scientist was like you know what we should do <laughs> you know i got i got a battery over here got a car battery <laughs> shock them you know what got I, some jumper cables you I feel know like i sleep enough that i probably wouldn't be woken up either you know on flushed away yeah there's yeah. that shocky
1: whoa wait <laughs> that a one second kid. flushed away i was literally thinking about that today that's weird poor rodney flushed down his own potty Rita, can't
2: you find it in your soul to help him?
0: I think it's heart, though. Okay, but anyways, hold on, wait, wait, wait. That's very interesting. Oh my gosh, what do we call that? A dead to the world déjà vu moment? Yeah, That's what
2: you guys call it. Oh my gosh, speaking. Oh, sorry, you were not. Oh done. no, no, I was just gonna say
0: <laughs> that. I was thinking about that name because, um, over Labor Day weekend, um, one of Kyle's. Um, are you okay? <laughs>
1: She's having a hallucination. Okay to sleep.
0: Okay, this is what I'm trying to say. Over the weekend, my sister in law Shelby mentioned the name Rodney, and the first thing I thought was Rodney Copperbottom from Robots, because that's like one of the most underrated movies in my opinion. And then I was like, wait, no, Rodney, (laughs) Rodney, Rodney. That's why I thought about that. So that's
2: kind of funny. What's your deja vu thing, real quick? Oh, so the other day, me and Sebastian, I think we went to like Taco Bell or something. I don't know. We were driving home from getting food somewhere. And on our way home, we saw a billboard that was for like a bales and bonds company that like, bails you out of jail yeah if, whatever is it the one like kind of over by Provo where Kyle's yeah. what used to
0: live and that? Mm-hmm. yeah I know exactly what you're
2: talking but about. I'd never seen the sign before so we were just like what is that that's so weird so we were like looking it up to see how it worked and stuff because I was like I've never heard of that and then not even 10 minutes later when we hopped on the freeway entrance to go to our exit there was a car for the same company like driving right next to us oh weird and we were like that's so weird we've never heard of this in our lives and now all of a sudden we're seeing it everywhere <laughs> I hope yeah. that's not a premonition that you're <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in I mean, the yeah everyone just keep about five thousand extra dollars on hand that's
0: just like oh go ahead no go ahead tosh i was just gonna say that's just like when you decide of the car you want
1: and then you see and it then everywhere you see it
0: everywhere before you like never noticed it
1: yeah what was it the other day i was telling you that was something that like i kept noticing and it came true I have no idea. <sighs> dang it i can't remember it now but obviously you were thinking of something or noticed something and then something came true whoa that's well a lot it's kind of like no <laughs> it's like it's like if you notice like a commercial for a certain medication keeps coming on TV and then all of a sudden your doctor prescribes you that medication why are you and it's talking like, about
0: medications
1: because I think it was something related to that oh okay gotcha like I was paying attention I was like oh I, I'm not familiar with that and then the next <laughs> thing you know my doctor prescribed me that medication and I was like well that was really weird <laughs> But I know when I was talking to you, it was about something else. But anyway, continuing on. Lexi, it's your turn. We should shut up. On to the next study in this article.
2: This one is called, My Fingernails Taste Terribly Bitter. (laughs) Stick with me. Okay. In 1942, I lied. That's not how it starts. It says, 1942 was a big year (laughs) for science. (laughs) The Manhattan Project began. Stephen Hawking was born. And Professor Lawrence Lachan performed his historic nail-biter sleep experiment. So Lashan's subject were a group of young boys, all chronic nail nibblers. Ew, I hate how they say nibblers. <laughs> Please don't say that. Nail nibblers. <laughs> the setting was a camp cabin in upstate New York and the goal to modify their behavior through sleep learning. As the boys slept, Lashan stood above them and encanted the phrase, my fingernails taste terribly bitter. It was hard, grueling work, but someone had to do it, especially since his trusty phonograph Sorry, <laughs> that word looks too much like pornography. I That I just questioned everything for a minute. Okay, especially since his trusty phonograph had broke five weeks into the experiment, and Lashan did not want to scrap the experiment. After examining the subject's nails at Summer's end, Lachan determined that forty percent were cured. I did not understand. What okay, was let going me on let there. me break so, that down. For no, you. no, no. Let me oh, break, it okay. let's let's break it down. Let me break it down. He had a bunch of boys come to a camp that bit their nails while they were asleep. He would just say to them over and over again while they were sleeping, my nails taste terribly bitter.
1: Oh, 40 percent
2: at the end weren't biting their nails anymore. Gotcha.
1: Okay, so they were just saying subliminal messages.
2: mm -hmm, I think they were saying he had a phonograph so he wouldn't have to sit next to them all individually and say it. But it broke. Ah. So all through the night, he would just have to switch off and go to the next (laughs) kid and say that over (laughs) and over
1: again. That's so funny. That's interesting. But don't get too excited because it says a later
2: attempt to replicate the experiment, however, resulted in a 0% success rate. (laughs) And because of that, they assume that the original study, they weren't fully asleep when he was doing it. Mm. So, so they, they like, were like, so yeah. they like were consciously taking in the information instead of subconsciously. Gotcha. And they probably, I mean, in my opinion, at that point, if I was awake, I'd be like, "Well, I'm here for this study. I'm having a hard time sleeping. I'm gonna stop biting my nails so that they're happy with me." Yeah. <laughs> so to go home. So who knows? But the first time it worked, forty percent. Second time, zero percent. So that one doesn't. I don't think that one means very much. <laughs> it's a bust. Yep. The next one is called Peter's. Peter Tripp's weird trip. <laughs> Sorry, that <laughs> made me trip. <laughs> trippy, <What? laughs> real trippy. Okay, in 1959, radio DJ Peter Tripp conducted a one-man sleep study, keeping himself awake for 200 hours to benefit the
1: March of Dimes. Isn't the? I think you mentioned this at the beginning of your world record one about the boy that they played basketball all night. No, in the beginning, he, the only person who had the record before him was some guy. Oh. That was like a DJ or something. Okay. Anyway,
2: go ahead. Sorry. I, this said nothing about a world record. I don't know what you're talking about. You're not, I'll shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she crazy. Okay. As Trips took stimulants and spun records in Times Square, a pair of psychologists monitored him in shifts to ensure he didn't endanger himself or at least endanger himself any further. At the time, it was a groundbreaking peek into the effects on sleep deprivation. A hundred hours in, Tripp couldn't perform a simple math problem or remember the alphabet. After 120 hours, he started hallucinating, and according to Thomas Bartlett in the New York Times, he saw mice and kittens scampering around the makeshift studio. He was convinced that his shoes were full of spiders. He thought a desk drawer was on fire when a man in a dark overcoat showed up showed up trip imagined him to be an undertaker and ran terrified into the street and he had to be dragged back inside when the marathon was over trip went to bed slept for 13 hours woke up read the paper just like any other day what i think is interesting is the study the first one i just talked about they also slept for 13 hours after being awake for that long it seems like it's always
1: 13 hours so it's like that's what you need to catch up maybe so yeah that just sounds so familiar to the beginning of the story about that Boy, that stayed up for so long. It is similar, except that was
2: a DJ in Honolulu. I think his name was Tom
1: Rounds. Oh, okay. So not the same guy. Not the same Interesting, guy. Interesting. Two DJs also stayed up for a long time. I mean, well, but anyway. Seems like they the want to I'm for their job. I was jobs. just going to say, I guess that's not so weird because they do a lot of publicity things. Okay. Did you have more?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. You can continue. <laughs> I will shut <laughs> up. <laughs> okay. The next one is called Driving Under the Influence. Dr. Ewan Cameron gained... Yep, that's what it says. (laughs) Dr. Ewan Cameron gained (laughs) wide attention in the 1950s and early 60s for his newfangled schizophrenia treatment, psychic driving. Basically, he had his patients wear headphones for long stretches of time, playing looped messages he hoped would, wait for it, drive new ways of thinking into the psyche. He forced this treatment on hundreds of patients at the Allen Memorial Clinic in Montreal, including many who did not even have schizophrenia. So... That don't sound too cool. Don't don't force people into <laughs> that studies. That don't sound so cool. <laughs> in some cases, the recordings were as tame as people like you and need you. You have confidence in yourself. And in other cases, Cameron would sedate people and play this message as they slept. When you see a paper, you want to pick it up. Afterward, he took them to the gym where a sheet of paper lay on the floor. Hobson claimed many patients immediately went to pick it up. Things got really weird when the CIA found out about Cameron's work and gave him money to continue it. When they decided it was all a bust, Cameron admitted he had taken a ten-year trip down the wrong road. So, the CIA thought that that study was interesting and paid for him to keep doing it, and then realized they they weren't getting anywhere.
0: <laughs> Dang,
1: that sucks. I find it interesting though because I feel like they still do stuff like that today. Maybe they just have a better way of like why a piece of paper saying the information. Like, why does that matter? Well, it's just, just to just see if they do it. Something obvious that he could see. Maybe if
0: he would have created a song, like instead of just, when you see a piece of paper, you want to pick it up. Maybe it was like, if you see a piece of paper lying on the ground, then you want to go pick it up and take it around town.
2: <laughs> that would have been catchy. You know what? You do that sleep study and let us know how it goes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the heck? Okay, moving on. You guys do not want me to do my we'll part. Be, it's
1: like a fifties pop.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Josh is dying. I'm sorry. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to start talking because I know you're going to laugh and ruin it. And I'll have to start no, over. I'm
0: because I thought it was so funny. <laughs>
2: I can see that. <laughs> my gosh. Okay, the fifth one is called Underground Knowledge. In 1962, French geologist Mike. Michael, yes, Michael Strife spent two months isolated in a freezing cave in order to figure out how humans respond to extended solitary confinement, a question with broad ramifications in the Cold War. Strife took no clocks and made no effort to mark time. He called his research assistants stationed at the surface whenever he awoke, ate, and went to bed. They were not allowed to call him, however, as that might tip him off as to what time it was outside. They discovered that humans have an internal clock. Strife unwittingly maintained a regular sleep schedule and a 24.5-hour day, yet he perceived time as passing much slower than it actually did. Whenever he called his team, they conducted a simple psychological test. Strife had to count from 1 to 120, one digit per second. It took him five minutes to count to two minutes. Even more bizarrely, when he emerged from the cave on September 14th, he was a he was certain that it was August 20th. My psychological time, Strife recalled, had compressed by a factor of two. In 1972, NASA sponsored a second experiment, this time for six months in a much warmer cave in Texas. The results were surprising. Though he maintained a 24.5-hour day for the first month, after that his sleep cycles grew inconsistent. He had days as short as 18 hours and as long as 52. Why the discrepancies? Stiff still has no idea. It's the problem of psychological time, he said. It's the problem of humans. What is time? We don't know.
0: That's crazy.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Like 18-hour days to 52-hour days?
0: days, And it all
2: felt the same to him. That's crazy. It's interesting. See, I think
1: I would just sleep all the time.
0: I would just sleep the whole time.
1: Well, yeah, that's because you guys are weird. (laughs) I would not be a good
2: experimental
1: person. I would be like, all right, rest and sleep. I don't have to do anything?
2: Sweet. I'm going to go to bed. Okay. Last but not least, this one is called Choose Your Own Stroke. I was expecting someone to laugh, so I was ready to pause for dramatic effect. (laughs) I purposely held it back. In 2001, noted sleep scientist J. Allen Hobson stumbled upon an unprecedented research opportunity, the chance to document his own stroke. Vacationing in Monte Carlo, Hobson fell nauseous, lost his balance, and felt as though he were drowning in his own saliva. He recognized the symptoms of a stroke in his lateral medullary brainstem sure sure a self-diagnosed swiftly sorry a self-diagnosis swiftly confirmed by his physicians they told hobson he had a classic case of wallenberg syndrome but he soon observed a rather unclassic symptom complete insomnia hobson couldn't sleep for 10 days suffering very vivid hallucinations which he told to his wife as he later recalled During the whole 10-day period, I could visually perceive, immediately upon closing my eyes, a vault over my body, which resembled the bottom of a swimming pool, its surface aqua, white, or beige. Left often, less often, sorry, it resembled engraved obsidian or a sort of gauze or ice or glass crystals. The most fully realized human images that I perceived were of my wife, featuring her lower body and, most assumingly, of a Peter Pan-like version of colleague? I don't know, what that's of a colleague. Of a colleague. Robert Stickgold and two fairies enjoying a bedtime story.
1: Oh, okay. So he was taking real people he knew and, and then visualizing them, them like uh... car- like a cartoon. Okay, that makes sense. I think.
2: Okay, Stickgold is a senior collaborator in my lab who does have a pixie-like playfulness. While visual disturbances are not uncommon in Wallenberg syndrome, they have only been reported as occurring while awake and with the eyes open. Mine were behind closed eyes. It was not until his 38th day of hospitalization that Hobson had his first full dream. He and his wife were again on vacation, during which she explained at great length her intent to cheat on him. Hobson recalled the dream in an atypical detail, which he took as evidence that the stroke had physically altered the way he dreamed. Like many good scientists, he later reproduced the experiment, if unintentionally, by suffering a cardiovascular collapse that led to even
1: more prolonged insomnia. So he was like, "Yay! Now I have a heart attack, so now I can study more." Yep. Wow. Crazy. Interesting, huh? So yeah, that, that was my six. Six. My six, six sleep study- studies. Oh, okay. No, those were really good. I'm glad that you pulled that information because that was definitely minus the dying dogs. Oh yeah, very I don't like interesting. That
0: part. Yeah, we don't like dying dogs. No
1: dying dogs, please.
0: All right, my turn. Yep. Yeah. All right. So mine's taking a. Interesting turn. Um, My topic is specifically on how closing your blinds during your sleep protects your health. And it is from Northwestern Now is like the website. Um, So essentially they say close the blinds, draw the curtains, and turn off all the lights before bed. Exposure to even moderate lighting during nighttime sleep compared to sleeping in a dimly room. compared to sleeping in a dimly lit room harms your cardiovascular function during sleep and increases your insulin resistant resistance thank you and increases your insulin resistance and this is a northwestern
1: medicine study that's interesting so different kind of sleep study so they
0: say that the results from this study demonstrate that just a single night of exposure to the moderate room lighting during sleep can impair your glucose and cardiovascular regulations, which are a risk factor for heart disease, diabetes, and melobotic syndrome. And then this study was conducted by Dr. Phyllis Z, and its last name is Z as in Zebra, and then E E. Oh, okay. It's Sh- last name. Oh, his last name. Um, and he is the chief of sleep medicine at Northwestern University, Finnberg School of Medicine, and a Northwestern
1: medicine physician. Wow. Okay. You know what's funny? The first thing I thought of is when um, people have ghosts in their house and they're too scared to sleep in the dark, so therefore they're leaving a light on, and so then they're actually causing themselves actual physical harm by leaving the lights on. How? It's crazy.
0: How are they causing themselves harm by leaving the light
1: on? You just read a whole list of no. things that can happen if you leave the lights on. Oh.
0: <laughs> I thought you were talking Did you about... Did not pay attention to No, home- I thought you were talking about, like, a show you watched or something said that if you have a ghost in your house and you leave the lights on, it, like, causes you harm. And I'm like, how? No,
1: that's what I was just visualizing when oh, you were okay. reading, you know, all the metabolic problems and blood sugar problems and all this stuff that you can have from leaving the light on. So then people who are suffering... But I think it's more like natural light, like close your curtains,
0: shut your blinds, not a light switch.
1: Really? Well, it says. Let's see what it says. Continue. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, never mind. It says all. You're right. Close the blinds,
0: draw the curtains, and turn off your lights. (laughs) Okay, you know what? Let's just move on. Okay, so light increases heart rate. There's already evidence that light exposure during daytime increases heart rate. Via activation of the sympathetic neuron systems, which kicks your heart into high gear and heightens alertness to meet for days of challenges. And then Dr. Z says our results indicate that a similar effect is so present when exposure to light occurs during nighttime sleep. Dr. Daniela. Grimaldi, a co-first author and research assistant of the professor of neurology at Northwestern said that we showed our heart rate increases when you sleep in a moderate lit room. Even though you are asleep, your automatic nervous system is activated and that's bad. Usually your heart rate together with other cardiovascular parameters are lower at night and then higher during the day. Your blood sugar goes up. Investigators found that insulin resistance occurs the morning after people have slept in a light room. Insulin resistant is when your cells in your muscles fat and liver don't respond well to insulin and can't use the glucose from your blood for energy. To make up for it, your pancreas creates
1: more insulin and over time, your blood sugar goes up. Yes, I suffer from insulin resistance, Do but not because I left the light on. Are you diabetic? No. No. But I take diabetic medication to keep my blood sugar low. So you're pre-diabetic. No, I'm insulin resistant. It's a completely separate thing. Okay. I make okay. too okay. much insulin. Not enough. Oh, not the Diabetics don't make insulin. I make too much. I gotcha. Okay. Um, an earlier
0: study published in JAMA, or JAMA, I'm not sure how they say that. Probably Gemma. Gemma, sure. Internal medicine looked at a larger population of healthy people who had exposure to light during sleep, and they were all overweight and obese. Exposure to artificial light at night during sleep is common, either from indoor light, from devices or sources outside of the home, particularly in large urban areas. A significant portion of individuals, up to 40%, sleep with a bedside lamp on or with light on in the bedroom and or keep the television on. Light and its relationship to health is double-edged. In addition to sleep, nutrition, and exercise, light exposure during the daytime is an important factor for your health. But during the night, we show that even the modest intensity of light can impair measures of the heart, said co-first author Dr. Ivy Mason, who at the time of this study was postdoctoral fellow at Northwestern. Uh, and now he actually researches at Harvard Medical School. So, and he says that the study tests the effect of sleeping compared to participants over a single night. The investigated, that investigators discovered that moderate light exposure causes the body to go into higher alert states, causing sympathetic activation. And in this state, the heart rate increases, as well as the forces in which the heart contracts and the rate of how fast blood is conducted to your blood vessels and your oxygenated blood flow
1: yeah so it really messes up your system,
0: yeah, which is weird, because I never like would normally
1: think that, or I don't know, just interesting, um I guess that's why, back in the day before electricity, it's like people really were healthier woke up, well guess they were, but they woke up when the sun came up,
0: mm-hmm. they went
1: to bed when the sun went down,
0: but I'm just thinking, even back in that time, like people are healthier, mm-hmm. and they really didn't do much. Di- daily life differences in what we do. We just have a bunch of stuff around
1: us that's probably not very healthy. <laughs> yeah, and processed foods that they didn't have access to.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so tips real quick to reduce light during sleep. Don't turn on your lights. If you need to have a light on, which they mentioned older adults may want for safety, make a dim light that is closer to the floor. Why can only old adults have it for safety? So Why don't can trip I have? Over things?
1: I'm just joking. I like, oh, like saying You don't have to be or. old to trip.
0: True.
1: <laughs> so they're just saying put hey, it low to the floor so you're not like seeing it's that in your light. Face, I guess. Yeah.
0: I'm just taking what the article said. Uh, I know color is important. Amber, reds, orange light is less stimulating for the brain, so don't use a white or a blue light, and keep it far away from the sleeping person. Blackout shades or eye masks are good if you can't control any of your outdoor light. Maybe move your bed also so your outdoor light isn't shining directly on your face. Which, I mean, I'm one of those people that like, I can't really sleep if it's not dark.
2: Yeah, So, same. Well, I'm sending this episode. Why did I say that weird? I'm sending this episode <laughs> to Sebastian as soon as it comes out because he always cracks open the windows, the blinds. Why? Because he doesn't like it when it's super dark. And then uh, the street lights come in and it drives me crazy.
0: Tell him that he's going to have cardiovascular issues if he doesn't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I'm just kidding. Sebastian, I'm just kidding. Okay. But anyways, I thought that was interesting. It's something you don't really think about you know like you think about sleep studies but you don't think about the fact they've done studies on how light affects your body yeah. during your sleep cycle it's interesting
1: yeah i think it's i think it's usually natural that people want it dark when they sleep I, I literally people. can't handle
2: any light. Well, I mean, if it's or bad noise. for your body for it not to be, that makes sense, sense that we naturally want it that way.
0: Yeah. I think, like, I have a few friends that I know of that sleep with their TVs on and such. Mm-hmm. And I remember sleeping over at their houses. I'd wait till they fall asleep and then I'd turn it off so that I could fall asleep because yep. I, like, could
1: not fall Same. asleep with it on.
0: But anyways, that's what I had. And I just thought that was a really interesting little
1: snippet there. <laughs> Reminds me, we went on a trip. Dad and I went on a trip for our anniversary and we invited our best friends to come with us. And they always sleep with the TV on. And so I ha- was trying to find the remote, but they had it on the bed with them. <laughs> and so I'm like, crap, I can't, I'm not going to like start filling around in their bed to try to find the remote. But there was a TV, there was two rooms. And so there was a TV in the other room. And, I, and so dad's like, we'll see if that remote will work. So I just take it in their room and, oh, yeah, it worked. Turned it like almost oh, all the way down. I was going to say, you
0: could just go over to the TV and
1: I manually click I couldn't click click the find button. the button. And I wasn't turning it off because that would have woke them up. I was just just turning turning it way down so I didn't hear it. Gotcha. But it was just funny. (laughs) I was like, I can't find
0: it. I can't find it. Well, if you're one of those people who sleep with a TV on, light on, or something like that, like message us about it. I want to know, like, why do you have to have that? Like, is it because of something that just makes you more
2: comfortable? I feel like a lot of people it has to do with, like, being scared.
0: Maybe. Like it the people be.
2: I know who sleep with their TV on are like my girlfriends that are single that live by themselves. Mm-hmm. That probably if you hear any noise, you'd freak out. True. So I think they like to sleep with the TV on
1: to so get that
2: the, they feel more relaxed. Like the sound. It's yeah. Like they
1: feel like they're not alone maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see. I, w- I wonder if they've done a story about sound. Like if sound mm. does Affects anything your to your heart rate and that kind oh. of thing, just like the light would. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense. When the sun comes up, then it's like your body naturally gets telling your body, hey, get up, get active. That's
2: why like those hatch alarm clocks are so good for you. I want one so bad.
1: Hatch That's what alarm. you guys
2: can get me for Christmas. Hatch I don't know what that clock. is. It's an alarm clock that you set, obviously, for what time you want to wake <laughs> up. Really? But you can choose like it can either start playing like meditation music or like birds chirping or something. And it very slowly lights up the room like the oh. sun would. It's that thingy.
1: Okay. So like Maybe probably I like
2: forty minutes I think, or some some set amount of time before you wake up. It starts very very light oh. and slowly gets brighter and wakes you up. Interesting. Look at that.
0: They even have a hatch bait or hatch baby hatch rest plus baby sound machine. So those are the we just talked about the sound machines oh, earlier. Yeah. They have it in a hatch nest. Light.
2: I want one of those really bad though. I have multiple friends who have it and they say they have no problem waking up anymore.
0: Yeah, because you it. just wake up and you're like, oh, it's like, hey, okay, you'll have to send song. me what, on your Christmas list. You okay. have to send me what version you want because there's like the dome, like a moon
2: version, and then mm-hmm. there's like this one that's kind of like more. Oh, oblong. I like the dome one. Oh. <laughs> uh, me pl- starting my Christmas <laughs> list right no, no, now. I'm like
0: putting this in hey, my like, list. Things. Of things yeah, to if you get guys
2: people. can think of things you want for Christmas, or if you want this alarm clock, go add it to your <laughs> Christmas list before you
0: forget. I mean, just so everyone knows it's $129 twenty nine That's why I haven't bought it for myself. cents on Amazon. Yeah, but. Sleep sleep routine. It's a reading light. It's a wind down. It's a sound library. It's a sunrise alarm and a companion app. Cool. All in one. Nice. And you can download the free Companion Hatch Sleep app. And this is not sponsored, by the way. I was
1: just gonna say that. Gently, I wish. Gently I wake,
0: feeling refreshed. With hey, the stop
1: giving alarm. them so much for oh, free. Sorry. <laughs> just
2: kidding. <laughs> Anyways, so
1: I'll yeah. have to send them a message.
2: <laughs> like, hey, if you want to sponsor us, we'd really appreciate it. Thank you.
1: <laughs> anyway,
0: so yeah, that's what I had. Thank you so much for all being here. We appreciate you just coming back. And, you know, if you if you come up with anything that you think would be interesting for us to touch on, let us know.
1: Yeah, like, we're always some suggestions. up for suggestions and feedback. Um, Send that to deadtotheworldpodcast at gmail.com. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media at deadtotheworldpodcast. And DTTW Dream Team for the Facebook group. Yes.
0: Perfect. I have nothing to say.
1: And rate and review us because Tasha was
2: looking at alarm clocks (laughs) for you. I know, thank you. And join us next week to find out what happens when we are dead Dead to the world. world.